This week's episode of the Cloudcast is brought to you by Intel Cloud for All, driving the creation of thousands of clouds. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, tonight's going to be a fun show. Uh, Aaron, how are you tonight, man? I'm doing good, doing good. We are, uh, we're back in Raleigh. Uh, we're actually both in Raleigh tonight, which is good. Um, been traveling a whole boatload lately. Yep. Um, I was out at DevOps Enterprise Summit this week, which was, which was fun. Um, we actually might maybe end up doing a show based on that one. But uh, uh, anyways, but tonight's going to be fun because um, we've known the guest. Uh, we've known Jonathan Donaldson from Intel, but we've known Jonathan for a very long time, both of us. We both worked with him. I think we may have worked for him. Um, so, Jonathan, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's like a class reunion. I know. <laughs> so, you're you're now uh, VP GM of the Software Defined Infrastructure Group at Intel. That's a that's a that's a big deal, man. You're a big deal now. Yeah, we, we uh, get to know. say we knew you when. That's right. <laughs> and here, that's what I said about you guys. <laughs> uh, I don't have my own podcast to, to reference. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's definitely it's a great position. It's um, it shows Intel's uh, level of investment in what they think is the wave of the future for the data center. Uh, so they have kind of me leading this group, and then I get to, you know, go out and, and cherry pick top talent um, to help, you know, really kind of push the, the level of innovation forward. So it's it's a good gig. I really, really like it here. It's amazing the things that happen at Intel that I just never knew were even here. And you, you, uh, so folks like Nick Weaver work in your group. So obviously a lot of folks yep. know Nick. You work under, I think you report somewhere under Diane Bryant, who is always the, I do. she's always the person from Intel who gets up on stage at, uh, you know, the Facebook conference and the, and the AWS conference and goes, here's the awesome stuff we're building in data centers and new servers and stuff. Um, so I, I was thinking, I was thinking on this and, and uh, just to put a little bit in perspective, cause like the last couple of weeks have been interesting. You know, we had. We were, you know, kind of BSing before the show. You know, had, you had the Dell and EMC merger, which you know people are going to talk about for a long time. Uh, you know, AWS reInvent was last week. Um, uh, Microsoft announced big earnings today. Google announced big earnings. AWS and Amazon. Like we're at a, we're at an interesting crossroads. And and I was thinking about, you know, Jonathan, you and I. I think it was about 2007. Without going way back in the time machine, we were working on a project for Cisco, and. Uh, it was sort of a little spin-out thing before Cisco made a big deal about spin-outs. And, and if you remember right, there was two interesting things we did. One was we used to get these uh, Asian ODMs come in and they would go, hey, here's, uh, here's commodity hardware for network stuff. And it runs the same speed and performance and it's one-tenth the price. And we sat there and we went, oh my God, how, how in the world does this happen? And then we were kind of building out this service provider thing and one day we didn't have any servers and we, we went on the web and we were like, hey, look, you can buy servers and storage online from Amazon. And I remember those right. two things. Now, that was seven years ago and we were kind of blown away by it and we were kind of excited by it. And then, you know, it kind of grew from there. But it's been, you know, for people that are kind of going like, what's going on in the world? Is the world going public cloud or is it staying private cloud or is it mixed? Like, we're not in the first inning. Like, this has been going on for six or seven years if you were really paying attention. You're, yeah, uh, the old, the old service node, right? And, and, and the joke on uh, on the this is not the first inning, right? It's kind of the same thing 
if you remember back from our days in, in marketing at Cisco, right, there's always a five-step plan and you're always at step three, no matter where you are in the time continuum, right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what we're seeing here now. And it, but a lot of it isn't, uh, you don't really see it until kind of after the fact, right? Because right. it's hard to go pull all the pieces together and, and see it. Um, so, so you've been working on this thing. Um, you, I mean, you, you work on a ton of things. I mean, your group does, uh, you know, you've got guys working on really bleeding edge open source stuff like Kubernetes and Mesos and, and containers and stuff. And then, you know, at, at, at your level, you're working on this sort of, you know, how do we get more clouds out there? Uh, uh, you know, looking at sort of it's an initiative called cloud for all, but I mean, really you're, you're, you're out there going like, there's so much, there's so much possibility you know, business-wise, agility-wise, when people start adopting these cloud models, like, what are you, what are you guys doing to drive that? Because Intel has an interesting position, right? You're kind of a vendor, but but you you've got a lot of ways to influence markets too. Like, what are the things you guys are doing to drive this kind of new knowledge places and make investments places and so forth? Right. So yeah. So we kind of call that it's the Cloud for All initiative, and you know, as Diane um, had stated, and, and Diane does a great job. Uh, of kind of articulating the vision and it, it, just to give her uh, a quick kudo. I mean, as uh, as the leader of our group, right, she's an electrical engineer as well as a, as a leader. So she understands the technology, which is, is a really good uh, person to work for. But when you kind of look at what is Intel trying to do in the space, um, we have this this belief, right, that if we go and create the same types of cloud technologies as you see in the big you know, public cloud service providers and, and get those uh, equally available to you know, enterprise customers, to uh, the smaller CSPs, and allow all of them to kind of have that agility that you'll see this wave of innovation, much like we saw happen in the, in the public cloud, right? So if you know, it's that barrier to entry type of concept that if you lower the unit cost of delivering, you know, a VM or a container or a piece of your application and at the same time make it really, really easy for me as a, as a developer to go spin that up, um, I'm more likely to try new things, right? And out of that comes this, this massive wave of innovation that we've seen in the, the public cloud, mostly around the kind of the direct-to-consumer types of applications, you know, the Ubers and the, the Twitters and the Airbnbs and, and Facebook and those types of things. We think the same thing will happen in the enterprise. So when we look at that, we say, okay, so what are the what are the gaps that we see today in the in the private cloud space and in the the smaller service provider space that we can help kind of um, identify what those those feature gaps are or solution gaps are, and then help go go fill those right. So you mentioned Nick Weaver, uh, you mentioned things like Kubernetes and Mesos. You know, we've got guys on the team um, and and women on the team that. You know, their their life right now at Intel is dedicated to making those things um, very, very easy to consume uh, in private and public clouds, very, very easy to to, to leverage and, and to, you know, start that innovation cycle. You know, Nick is driving a, a whole startup group inside of my team um, called, you know, SDIX, right? And the X stands for whatever it takes to, to make those things valuable to, to customers. You know, we've got other people on the team um, gentleman named Doss Kamhout, you know, he kind of grew up here at Intel and used to run, you know, the 120,000 server design cloud that we have here. So we've got a lot of people on my team that have, you know, massive domain expertise in these areas. 
And what they're doing is they're looking back going, wow, these were the things that were really hard for me to go do when I stood this up myself. And how do we make this easy for everyone else to go do? And so that's really at the core of it. That's the initiative behind the, the Cloud for All program is, you know, how do we take our partners out there, you know, partners like, you know, VMware and Microsoft and partners like, um, you know, HP with Helion and Red Hat with uh, Red Hat OSP, right, and, and Mirantis with Fuel, you know, all of the OpenStack vendors. And how do we get all of them um, to be able to make, you know, private cloud and, and the hybrid cloud easy? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, and and what's really been interesting here lately is uh, I think Brian and I have have been talking about it on the show for a while now. And and actually, we had a guest uh, a while back, Simon Wardley, who uh, it was actually kind of funny. Um, again, going kind of time time machine for a second. Um, Jonathan, when we were at VCE together, you sent me uh, or sent actually to the entire team this this video of like oh the cloud and the vision and everything. It was actually Simon's keynote. I want to say from OSCON or one of those, right? And that was, gosh, what, five years ago, probably yep. four years ago, somewhere yep. in that point. Yep. Um, yep. But and one of the big things that stood out, um, both when we talked to Simon and in that video, was, was really this public cloud and, and this eventual consolidation of the industry, just mainly because of the economies of scale and the R and D it takes to run a public cloud. And, and you look at, oh, okay, you know, Dell and EMC did their thing, but then VMware spun off a lot of the vCloud Air stuff to VirtuStream this week. HP yeah. kind of got out of public clouds again this week. Um, you know, Rackspace is is kind of doing their thing and partnering with AWS. It's like there's so many just weird things, but it but it all leads to in that trend of of what Simon really predicted all along. Um, but but what is your kind of perspective on all of that? Of you're kind of above all of it. You're seeing a lot of the OpenStack stuff and all of the public cloud stuff all at the same time. Yeah, I think you know the perspective that I see from kind of Intel's landscape is there's a lot of players out there that are trying to find their you know their their position in in this you know ever uh, changing game of Tetris, right? So. You know, where can they make the most value, uh, and where can they derive the most revenue and the most value for their for their company, their shareholders, their products, etc.? Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of consolidation happening out out there, and I think some of the consolidation happens because you know either there are technologies that are changing and shifting, so some things that were proprietary before are now moving to open source, right? EMC and and VMware. Um, have done, you know, just amazing things that I wouldn't have thought that I would have ever seen from them, you know, years ago as far as, you know, taking some of their proprietary uh, products and, and software and moving them to open source, right? VMware with Photon and, and EMC with Viper, um, you know, which is what Copperhead now, I think, is the external right. term. Right. And so I think, you, you know, even that in and of itself is is kind of almost along those same lines is that, you know, people are rapidly looking around going, okay, where's my value in this, this changing ecosystem? And, and some of that value will be, you know, uh, derived or transmitted through these, these consolidations. Some of them more, the consolidations are done because, you know, maybe there wasn't value where they thought there was. But I don't think that our, our, our ecosystem is going to get any less simpler through these consolidations. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see, you know, some of the more mature technologies um, start to consolidate, but then there's this, there's this always increasing wave of innovation that's happening out there in these, in these little startups and then even some of the larger companies that, 
you know, is always going to be you know, driving new market segments, driving new technologies, right? Companies like, you know, Mesosphere and, you know, Kubernetes going out there with the CoreOS guys with Tectonic, right? There's, there's this massive wave of the, kind of these upstarts, if you will, that um, are going to keep driving this forward. And I think to me, that's the most exciting thing is that we're not, even with the consolidation, we're not seeing a slowdown of the innovation cycle. We're actually, in my case, is seeing it accelerate because the consolidation bits actually kind of, you know, make the way for some of these new new technologies. Yeah. So, you know, some of us have been, you, you've, we, you know, when we work together uh, on various things, some of us have been dealing with some of the private cloud stuff for a while. Um, you know, for, you know, went through the whole, like, converged infrastructure early phases yep. and, and uh, you know, it was, um, you know, kind of building private cloud. A lot of it was just, you know, can you can you add some automation to, to virtualization? Um, and, and to a certain extent, I think if you, you know, if you asked a lot of people, if you said like, hey, are there tons of private clouds? I, I think, you know, for a while people would go, yeah, yeah, we're, we're building a private cloud. And then, you know, if you asked them a year later, you'd kind of go, well, what do you do? And it would be like, well, it's, you know, it's a lot of virtualization, right? It doesn't have... Right doesn't have the self-service thing and the automation isn't do you think do you think that's is it is part of that just some of us want things to go really fast and and we get frustrated too early or do you think um you think part of that is it was it was kind of you know you shouldn't have been so much thinking about how to build a private cloud or an amazon like cloud if you were just talking about legacy applications you you, you know we, we a lot of companies haven't hit that point where they should sort of be building these newer modern applications or something. I mean, is it is it just a skills and a patience thing that we that we need to wait up for, or is it you know more companies kind of have to feel some pain in terms of having the right technology to compete in in new ways? Right. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a tough question to ask with the three of us. Right. We're all uh, not known as being very patient uh, people, especially when it comes to technology. So I would say it's probably a blend of those things. I think you know. Having been in the vendor technology space like the three of us have, um, you know, especially over the years, right, and always leaning towards the the newer technologies, right, the more leading edge of things, you know, none of us are very good at the care and feeding um, of existing technology. I would say that, you know, from our perspective, yes, I think there's a bit of um, technology, let's hurry up, right, kind of aspect to to what we, you know, the frustrations that we see. But I would say that, you know, if we went out and we canvassed a lot of enterprise customers and we canvassed a lot of the tier twos, you know, they look upon the, the big cloud providers with envy to some uh, extent, right? None of us like our pagers to go off, you know, well, I guess that's aging myself there when I say pagers, right? None of us like, um, you know, that 2 a.m. wake up on a Sunday, right, in IT because some critical system is down, you know, if we could have the capability for that to have automatically you know, through automation, right, you know, or even through better, you know, more resilient uh, microservices style application design for that to have never happened or for it to kind of, you know, taking care of itself. I think we would all vote for that um, from our days in IT. But it's really, really hard, right? I mean, it's the skill sets um, have to have to morph over time. And you know, Brian, if you remember um, from our days at, at Cisco, right, when uh, Cisco first acquired Celsius and, and we were all out there trying to, to get people to migrate over to voice over IP, right, I mean, we've all had the conversation, right, when we were SEs, we would go in and we'd sit down at a, a table and on one side of the table, you'd have the PBX guys and on the other side of the table, you'd have the networking 
staff, right? And then you have the CIO at the head of the table and the CFO at the foot of the table. And, you know, they're arguing back and forth because the PBX guys didn't like the networking guys and vice versa. They were threatened by each other. And, you know, the C- CFO would say something like, we really need to go look at this. You know, Cisco's here to talk to us about a voice over IP and from all the dollars and cents, it makes perfect sense for us to go drive that. And the PBX guys would say, there's no way you're going to take my mission-critical voice and run it across that Ethernet stuff. And the networking guys were like, nope, nope, we'll do it. It's just another application to us. And, you know, there would just be this deadlock right there at the table. And then, you know, when we'd leave the room, right, always there'd be one of the, the PBX uh, people hanging around, right, you know, looking for their pencil they dropped under the table or, you know, some other kind of excuse to be there until all of their peers left. And then they would you kind of look up and down the hallway and go, so if somebody wanted to understand this voice over IP stuff, where would they get started? And so I think, you know, if you look inside almost every IT shop, um, there's always those people that want to do the next thing, right? They want to innovate. They want to drive it forward. But, you know, transitioning your value, right? It's the people and process problem that we had even with voice over IP. If, if my... If my paycheck is predicated on the fact that, you know, I have certain certifications for, you know, a certain vendor and I know where to kick the box when it misbehaves and I know who to call uh, on those, if, if I can ease that adoption, um, you know, by making it easier and by doing lots and lots of education, um, we'll see the trend happen a lot quicker. And so I think it's a combination of things, right? So, you know, to get back to your question, yes, we as technology, you know, forward leaners, if you will, are always going to be frustrated by the pace. And and that's what draws us to the new technologies, right? We like that innovation. I think if you then go canvas uh, most uh, customers, you know, their life is so hectic and so harried that they just need the easy version of that that's good enough to get moving forward. And then kind of once you start to ease that burden um, of their daily, you know, life through the automation and things like that, then they're going to be equally as hungry to go drive that innovation, you know, whether it be for, you know, financial strategic benefit uh, for the company or for the, even their own, you know, wishes for, for being an innovator. Yeah. So, um, so, so Intel plays an interesting role, right? You, know, you talked about a bunch of companies, um, some of which you guys get a chance to, to invest in or with, uh, you know, through Intel capital and so forth. Um, some of the guys you do some cool partnerships with, so like the, the Tectonic launch with CoreOS, uh, you know, you guys played a role in it, uh, partially, you know, from a packaging perspective, but partially because you were you were contributing code, uh, you were contributing. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, you know, it, it's a hard question to ask because it's like it's like asking a parent which of their kids they like the best. But just from a technologist perspective, right, your curiosity perspective, like, are there certain projects that you're kind of looking at going? I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on that one, maybe maybe a little more, because there's there's something in there that I really think is is going to pop, or you know somebody doing something really cool. Like what's what's kind of you know on your radar, and you know, just from your from your geek perspective, that it's really cool these days. Yeah, well, there's so many of them. Um, that's that's the problem. I wish I had more time. Um, Apache Mesos is is very cool, right? We just did some stuff called uh, Project Serenity uh, with the guys at Mesosphere and then the, the water Mesos community um, to expose some silicon features, right, that allow you to bin pack tighter. You know, the, the Kubernetes stuff, working with Google and, and Craig McClucky and, and the team over there um, to make Kubernetes better, seriously interesting stuff. 
we just attached like the VT technologies to Rocket um, with the CarWest team and, and Docker with the Docker team so that you can get kind of that, you know, same VM style of security and isolation on um, on containers. Like those are all super cool things. Like for me, from a geek perspective, like some of the things, like that Project Calico where, you know, they're assigning a slash 32 IP address and then using, you know, BGP route reflection everywhere for a container network. And I think that is just like, I'm scratching my head looking at it going, wow, what a cool idea. But, you know, if you remember back to the CCIE days, Brian and Aaron, I mean, oh my gosh, trying to do BGP route <laughs> reflection everywhere. <laughs> it's just going to be like, I want to see how they do that. Um, and so, so, you know, a lot of these things I just, uh, you know, that cross my desk or we get involved in, there's so much just cool stuff going on. Photon itself, right? The Some of the things that the, the VMware side is coming out with in, in that from a scheduler perspective, I just look at that and go, wow, this is really cool stuff. And just to be flat out honest with you, you know, Nick Weaver has to spend an hour at a whiteboard with me sometimes, you know, sketching out some of the stuff so I can get a handle on some of the more esoteric math. But, um it's all just it's all just crazy, crazy, crazy cool stuff. And you know, one of the interesting things is, you know, when I came into Intel and I looked at all the silicon stuff that they do here, um, it's the 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 stuff that's coming out over you know next generations is just absolutely amazing, right? They they launched the three D cross point memory technology stuff, which is just super cool, and the applications even into some of these spaces is is just beyond mind-blowing to me. So, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, um, if we got like one really cool project, right, that crossed our desk um, per year, uh, that was great. You know, three years ago when we got a cool project that crossed our desk, you know, once a quarter, that was awesome. You know, now it's almost like there's something super interesting crossing my desk or my email almost every single day. And so there's just so many of them to keep up with that it's just uh, the the pace of innovation is just is nutty and and I love it and I don't want it to slow down yeah. because every single day there's something new and something cool. Um, well, that I'm and you, at. you raised something really interesting there though too because that's you know the the kind of geeky side uh, of Jonathan, but but as kind of the the VP GM side, how do you figure out? Like, how do you approach it from a strategy, and and what are the dynamics? You know, kind of you have to combine the the economics yeah. and the technology, right? You have to balance them out. Of there are, are only so many bets you can place. Um, how does how does that factor into it? Like, because a lot of the, you know, if you have to put the exec hat on for a little while, how do you approach something like that? Right. Absolutely. So you know, when I when I get the when, when I have to take off my, you know, wow, this is awesome and this is cool hat, and I have to kind of go put on my where do I spend the money hat, um, it typically comes down to kind of one of three things, right? So, and maybe it'll be one of four things by the time I'm done talking, but it comes down <laughs> to like, you know, if I go look at what our customers are asking us for, and by customers at Intel, right, there's a, a broad swath of people. You know, there's the the enterprise customers, there's the you know, the, the small and medium-sized service providers and then the large cloud providers, um, they're each asking for, for slightly different things. And so, you know, what significantly moves the needle for each of them, right? So if it's the enterprise side, how do, how do they get, you know, lower TCO? How do they get, you know, higher performance? Um, how do they get the easy button for deploying new technologies? And, and how can they be, you know, strategic and competitive in their marketplace? And if it's the tier twos, it's, 
you know, or, you know, the smaller and medium service provider type of thing, right? It's the, you know, how can they compete um, in that dynamic marketplace, right? How can they differentiate themselves from their competition and how can they be as agile as the, the larger uh, public cloud providers on service creation and delivery? And then, you know, for the large public cloud service providers, it's how can you keep that momentum moving? Um, how can you keep attracting workloads? How can you keep, you know, your cost of service delivery low enough that you can, you know, continue to drive the waves of innovation that they do. And so, you know, typically when I look at these things, uh, you know, I'll, we'll kind of do some, uh, lots of analysis, lots of value judgment, um, looking at, you know, what customers are asking us for, where the gaps are, does this technology or project fill that gap, and can it be broadly adopted, right? So from an Intel perspective, um, for something to be valuable, it's got to be valuable to a large segment of our customer base. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, it's kind of small noise type of things. And so you know, we kind of use that value lens against it, which is, you know, does this significantly move the needle on, you know, ease of adoption of major technologies? Does it shift industry perception? Does it, you know, um, allow customers to do more um, than they were doing yesterday? Um, those types of things are really kind of what we have to go look at and, you know, that's kind of the lens that we use when we, um, you know, go spend money on things or, or dedicate resources. And, and, you guys are, and you guys are hiring folks that get to work on all this cool stuff sort of vendor neutral or, or independently? Yeah. So that's, you know, at Intel, right, so we have a lot of different partners, right? And so when you, when you kind of um, look across the landscape of all of our customers and partners, right, we... We want all of them to be successful, and so yes, we're we're very very vendor vendor neutral or vendor agnostic. Um, as long as you know everybody is is doing the right thing for for the community and for our, our you know our end customers. And so yes, we are hiring a tremendous amount of people on my team. Um, you know, developers. Um, we're hiring architects, right? People that have networking experience. You know, people that are. You're doing a lot of stuff in the software-defined networking space or compute or storage, automation, scheduling, right? Lots and lots of people. You know, we just hired uh, Nicholas Nielsen and Connor Doyle that are, um, you know, Nicholas is a, a core committer for Mesos, right? We love that skill set from an automation perspective. And so, you know, if people are want to go, you know, really, really change how the industry consumes um, technology in the data center, and you have a passion for that new technology, and you have a passion for solving problems for customers, um, we are a, a, a very, very good place to go do that. And so they should definitely get in contact with me. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, um, I, I, this is probably one of those ones that uh, you, you may tell me that you'll get in trouble for. But uh, Awesome. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> what else is now? So, uh, so I think I heard somewhere recently. I think I, think I saw it was it was and this was printed. So I'm not. I don't think I'm making anything. Up. I think um, Diane Bryant had said uh, that like 30 percent of the servers these days are being sold to the big cloud providers, and she didn't specify like what big cloud provider meant. But but and, and I think what she said was, um, you know, a lot of them will get sort of custom things custom what that's like custom silicon or custom built boxes or whatever and like how much of that um you know and those guys obviously have very unique requirements around power and cooling and i mean because 
they're turning it into a business. Every kilowatt, every bit, you know, they can they can calculate as a as a cent or what is a click. How much um, how much of that stuff over time gets into the mainstream products that that will you know be allowed for the enterprises to go buy as a regular you know Xeon whatever, and and how yep. much of it roughly stays pretty much you know kind of custom stuff for your biggest customers essentially. So yeah, so I would say that uh, predominantly the things that are valuable to everybody that we kind of you know co-develop or you know, work with the large cloud providers to, to develop something that they consume kind of on a, on a custom SKU basis or, um, you know, a custom platform basis, right? Um, like NASA, right? Most of that, the most of the stuff from the, the space program that, that made sense to make it out into the mainstream does, right? And so the same thing with us, right? So you see things like, um, you know, the FPGAs, uh, that are sitting right next to the silicon, right? Uh, those are making it into the mainstream, right? Those kind of started out with the large cloud service providers asking for, you know, how do I go get accelerators um, like you have built in the silicon? How do I test those out? How do I get, you know, those pr- programmatically uh, done? And so, you know, even with we don't know from the from their perspective, right, which ones are valuable to them and not. And so, you know, things like the FPGAs, right, is a, is a first step on that. Um, you know, custom accelerators, um, you know, custom platforms, those have all been things that have been kind of, you know, uh, mainstream for the big cloud service providers because they're all looking, you know, they know what their fleet looks like in their data centers and they know the optimizations for the most part that they would like to make to make this run smoother and, and lower cost and higher performance. And so a lot of that, you know, uh, bleeds out into uh, the rest of, of the enterprise or the rest of the data center landscape um, as it's ready to consume for them. So I would say, you know, most of it happens that way. Uh, they just happen to be, you know, more sophisticated in a lot of ways, and so they can take advantage of those those early access programs uh, sooner than anybody else can. Yep. Uh, uh, when, you have, when you have a legion of PhDs on tap um, at your large cloud service provider to go figure out the really – tough math on things, right, then you can you can do some pretty in, interesting and innovative things before anybody else can. Right. And then as that becomes more mainstream, right, then you, you look into the next wave of things. Right. Yeah, and, and really what we're seeing here is really this idea of the super, super cutting edge stuff is just honestly where the, the market that is initially consuming it is just shifting slightly in the, in the industry, whether it's through public cloud, whether it's through IoT, you know, all of these kind of yeah, as the, the, the landscape of the industry shifts, so does the consumption models. Right. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. So let me ask you this real quick, Jonathan. So, so I did mention IoT. Like, I was at the AWS conference, and and they kind of mentioned their new IoT platform, and we're starting to see it a lot from some of the others as well. Um, and and Cisco, of course, kind of leading the charge, probably a little bit back. Um, so that leads very much into a cloud play and. This idea of really connecting everything is actually starting to happen. Where does kind of Intel and SDI specifically, where, where do you see the state of IoT these days and kind of a little bit of crystal ball, where do you see the near future of IoT? Yeah, so yeah, we have a, a whole IoT you know, division here at Intel, and uh, I just provide the plumbing for them essentially, right, if you want to think about it that way. Um, 
you know, we have uh, a pair of mine and the big data side. You know, they released the trusted analytics platform. Um, like you mentioned, AWS has their their flavors and and others. And I think that this is this is one of those really really interesting places that we're gonna, you know, as a as a community and as a um, as an ecosystem, learn quite a bit over the next few years about what's valuable in an IoT world and, and what's not. Um, you know, analytics from from vehicles and analytics from you know your Fitbits and your watches, your Apple watches and your your phones, as well as industrial IoT. Um, I think we're going to learn quite a bit about you know how people use technology and and what's valuable and and how we can have it work for us. When I look at that space, um, I don't even have, you know, an inkling of where it's going to go, right? It's, it's like, a, you know, for me, it's, it's like looking at it's something that is just amazing, um, but yet in the early, early stages of things. And so the best thing that my group can do um, to support that is to make sure that those, those back-end data center systems are ready for whatever they throw at us. Because I've got this, you know, this feeling that as IoT and as things start to get more and more instrumented, and we start to learn more and more insights from that, that the demand on the data center side, from the analytics perspective, is going to just skyrocket. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. All right, we're we're kind of out of time for this week. Um, Jonathan, where can everyone find out more about you and 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 Intel and everything you have going on? Wow. So obviously, you know, we've got uh, uh, the Intel.com site. We have uh, you know, check out our uh, the the all the requisitions. You know, the headcount that we have open there. We have you know Jay Donalds, which is my Twitter handle. You know, Nick Weaver's Linksbat. You know, we have uh, you know all of the normal places. Uh, let's throw it out as a challenge kind of thing. If you are <laughs> interested in a in a really uh, cool and interesting uh, job. Um, and you uh, can find us, then please absolutely contact us um, through the normal channels, and we will be happy to, to talk to everybody, whether it's about a job or if it's just about technology and, and what we're doing in that space. We, we would love to talk to people. We like the feedback. Very cool. Very cool. Listen, dude, it was great to ha- it was good to talk to you. We, we run into you sometimes at shows. Absolutely. Um, sometimes we don't get a chance to talk about work stuff because we're kind of catching up. But uh, very cool. The stuff you guys are working on, um, making making very big making a very big difference in, in things. And it's uh, I, I'll tell you this. I know Aaron and I have, have run into people at different conferences. Like you, you've got your fingers in a lot of things, and there are a lot of people uh, at at a lot of startup companies that that love working with you guys. So you're doing good stuff. Uh, say hi to Nick for us and, and the rest of the guys on the team. And uh, thank you for being on tonight. Will do. Absolutely. And we need to work out one of these conferences where we can all go out and grab a dinner and a beer because it's been way, way too long. Yep, absolutely. Well, cool, folks. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 